Okay. So, as you're getting there, and the title slide, we'll probably skip through that and get to the context uh, in a minute. But what we're going to be talking about is that Jesus is a compassionate provider. Uh, I'm sure you all have heard this many times. And if you haven't, I'm going to go ahead and blow your mind for the first time. Uh, Jesus loves us. Jesus wants us to be sustained by his power and will and his word. So as we go through this, I want you to keep in mind that in this, uh, in this story about Jesus feeding the 4,000, keep in mind that it goes beyond what you see, okay? And that, all right, uh, there's two stories to keep in mind as we go through this. There is a feeding of the 5,000 plus, as I like to call it, and then the 4,000-ish. And when we get to some of the details, we will point out some of that. Okay, so remember, if you were here last week, and if you weren't, I'm going to get you back into the context of where we're at. Jesus is going around uh, in the land of, I like to call it, Decapolis, because then it reminds me that there's two separate words, they mean things, you put them together, and that is the area of the ten settlements, ten cities, the ten towns, ten kind of groupings of people. Uh, What is happening here is Jesus is performing miracles, he's proclaiming his message, all for the purpose to demonstrate that he is the Messiah to the Gentiles. Now, you probably remember in other studies in the past or in other times we've talked about this, Jesus was first going to the Jews, and then he did this trip to the Gentiles, and then he goes back to the Jews. So just to give you context, where that looks, that little circle there is to signify where Jerusalem is about, and then he's up in this region over here in the kind of pinkish zone uh, near the Sea of Galilee, Galilee. and when we conclude this uh, scripture, you'll see that he leaves where he was and goes to basically the other side of the sea. Okay? So, as to give due honor and reverence to the word, we're going to go ahead and stand uh, as I read it. Thank you. In those days, when again a great crowd had gathered and they had nothing to eat, he called his disciples to him and said to them, I have compassion on the crowd because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away hungry to their homes, they will faint on the way. And some of them have come from far away. And his disciples answered him, How can one feed these people with bread here in this desolate place? And he asked them, How many loaves do you have? They said, Seven. And, excuse me. And he directed the crowd to sit on the ground or recline on the ground. And he took them the seven loaves, and having given thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples to set before the people. And they set them before the crowd. And they had a few small fish. And having blessed them, he said that these also should be set before them. And they ate and were satisfied. And they took up the broken pieces left over, seven baskets full. And there were about 4,000 people. And he sent them away, 
And immediately he got into the boat with his disciples and went on to the district of Dalmanutha. If you read in Matthew, it uses a different word there for the region. Uh, one is the town or like a ship, shipping or sorry, fishing village with ships. But the region is the other word uh, in Matthew. Just to point that out. Some people ask questions about that. All right. You go ahead and maybe seated and we're going to go ahead and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for today. Thank you for the gift of the ability for us to travel and to spend time with those that are lost and broken and being able to do missions. Lord, that we're able to preach the word, spread the gospel, and share in Jesus' love and truth. Lord, thank you for the ability for us to fellowship with other believers. Although we may not have every detail uh, in agreement, we can come to the table of your worship and your word and work together for the goodness of your word and the spreading of your gospel. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So today... The main point is, in our desolate times and places, Jesus provides, sustains, and satisfies us with hope. And I'm going to walk through how Jesus provides, sustains, and satisfies. Um, you could, could de- delineate that Jesus can provide, but you may not feel sustained. He could sustain, but you may not feel satisfied. But today we're going to highlight how, in hope in Christ... We are satisfied. We are filled up. We are full to the brim with his hope. So looking back at the text, as I like to do, I like to put you all on the spot. I'm going to do that today. What are some of your observations? What are some of the key words that stick out or any themes or any interesting? I'm not really sure what that meant kind of thing. So go ahead and let's give you all a chance to think through it for a moment. And uh, go ahead and just yell it out. I'm not going to do hands today. I like how Jesus asked them how many loaves they had when he could have just took the loaves and made them a bunch of loaves. All right. Why do, you, why do you think he did that? Um, just to test the faith of the disciples. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, exactly. Good job. Lincoln. Uh, it says that if I send them home hungry, they will collapse on the way because some of them have come a long distance, which just shows like the amount of determination, I guess, that the people have to want to be with Jesus. They've traveled all this way and they haven't been eating, yet they're still listening to what he has to say. That is a very good point, Lincoln. Very good job. Uh, I'm going to go, I'm going to ask a question, and go ahead and, if this has happened to you, don't feel shame in this. Uh, I've been hungry before. Has anyone gone a day without eating? Two days. Three. Four. Okay, so three days, you're the winner. All right, come find me afterwards. I got a prize for you. All right. If you go three days without food on that third day or the fourth, whenever you ate, what did that feel like? Um, it was, it felt almost different, I guess. Uh, it wasn't, it didn't, it was almost like my body didn't remember how to eat normally. 
right? And it was only like, what, a couple days, three days. You both raised your hands over here. Was it about two days for you guys? How did that feel? Right. You're just hungry. So, so imagine that. Remember that feeling, okay? And then when you finally ate, you probably felt full over not a whole lot of food, right? But did you feel satisfied and able to travel? Well, think about that. Jesus wasn't just giving them food so that they were just like, you know, placated, you know, just enough to sustain them for just right now. He provided so much food that one, they were full and they could travel home, right? And that they had leftovers. You know, when you go to the restaurant and you have leftovers the next day or later that day for some of you, I know some of you eat the leftovers right away, right? Because you're all growing like weeds. Um, Think about that. Now, we won't point out some of the details of this and how it uh, compares to the 5,000 feeding uh, in a minute, but just think about that satisfaction of going a couple days without eating, or even a couple hours for some of you, because you, I know some of your metabolisms are pretty hardcore these days. Um, and when you first eat, that feeling. Yeah, like, So this one's different than the 5,000? There are different details, yes. Um, a lot of times the word basket, uh, so, uh, for those of you whose parents have Amazon packages shipped to your house and a box shows up and you say, hey, there's a box for you. If it's this big or the size of your front porch, do you delineate that? Or you just say, there's a box. Or do you say, there's a big box or a small box? Think about that. If the box is relatively average size, you'd say a box. But if it's really small, you'd be like, hey, it's a small box. Or if it's really large, like you could fit in it, you'd be like, mom, there's a huge box on the front porch. Think about that in your mind when I explain the baskets. What other other key words? And I've kind of parked out on a couple. I'm going to give you a chance before I give you to them. All right. Desolate. Um, they were they weren't in an area where there was just an abundance of vegetation or, or food near them. I mean, desolate, that word desolate, I'm gonna go over it in a minute and expand on that. Jesus had compassion, and this is one of the only times uh, in scripture where Jesus in the first person says that he felt compassion. Now, in other scriptures, it's observational. They're talking about how Jesus did something compassionate, or they assume that he had compassion based on his actions, um, and they're observational. This is a time where Jesus says it flat out, just like when he says other things that he feels flat out. They're not observational. They're declarative statements made by him. Um, the bread. Well, we can get into the bread. Um, uh, the fish, right? It's a small fish. That Jesus is a provider. That's a theme that you can see. And that they were satisfied. I'm going to make a, a big point about that. The baskets. I talked about the boxes. We're going to talk a little bit about baskets and sizes. And that there were seven loaves, right? Okay. Desolate. The word desolate there is of solitude, of the wilderness, the desert. Uh, in your times and travels in the world, has, has anybody been to the desert? Been to a wilderness that is barren? Where was that? Um, California, Arizona. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yep. That's a good spot. Anyone else? Where was that? Oh, yeah. 
I mean, that's a good one, too. Arizona's a good one. Uh, if you go to Desert Valley, that's a good one. Out in, uh, out in Nevada. There's, there's actually small deserts and random spots all over the U.S. It's kind of fun. Um, okay, think of that. Think of that, that wilderness and not think of a lush jungle. Think of, like, that kind of thing. And if you've seen movies, you've seen their pictures. There's other examples in the Bible where we see the wilderness, sort of the desert. And what comes to my mind immediately is when Moses is in a desolate place and wandering the wilderness for uh, a multitude of years with you know, a ton of people and thinking through how God provided in that situation. Right? And then I also think of the, the desolation and being hungry and being hungry for a long time when Jesus is in the desert, when he is being challenged. And so those, those images come to my mind in different scriptures uh, that are important to think through about, you know, there are times in, in our need and in desolate times and desolate places in our lives even where Jesus provides for us. He provides us hope, he provides us and sustains us in that hope and then fulfills us satisfies, gives us hope abundant so that it's not just for us that, that we can share it with those around us. Kind of like, you know, filling multiple baskets with bread and fish that can be then shared with other people. Okay, compassion. The word compassion here, and I'm not going to butcher the Greek, so I'm not going to bother trying to say some of these words. And if Pastor Scott wants to give it a shot, I'm pretty sure if I fake it, I can make it. But um, this word is to be moved in the inward parts, to feel compassion. Think about the time when you've been moved emotionally that you feel it right here, that it, you can't control it, either with an excitement, um, a love for someone or something, uh, that, that's stirring, right? That you feel stirred, and not just stirred to the, the feeling, but stirred to action, that you want to do something. Those of you who went on that mission trip, I'm sure you kind of know what I'm talking about, right? that you felt compassion for people in front of you. We were stirred to action. Some of you even may have been stirred to such great action that it's changing the course of your very life. That that event is defining. That the rest of your life is now different for having done that. That's amazing. That's glory be to God. Some of you have had that happen in your daily walk. You've been reading in your Bible, you've been praying, you've been doing the work of the saints, and have been stirred to action because you felt it so deeply inside of you that you know that the truth has overcome you and that you want to now worship God in spirit by action. It's been stirred in your heart, through your head, and into your hands, and out through your homes, and all into the community around you. So, yet being compassionate, um, atoned for their iniquity and did not destroy them. He restrained his anger often and did not stir up his wrath. That's from the Old Testament. So we look back and think, oh, hey, Jesus is the compassionate part of the Trinity. No, the entire Trinity is compassionate. And we see that expressed in the Old Testament in multiple passages. I brought that one up because it just popped in my head. I don't know how it got there, but I must have read it recently. And God's prompted me through his Holy Spirit to remember because uh, my human memory isn't all that great. Let's be honest. My son can attest to that. 
Okay, the other thing that I want to give uh, a, kind of a, an overview before we get into Jesus the provider, the names of God come to mind. You know, we think about God's character, his attributes. His attributes are displayed in his actions, okay? And we can look at the entirety of the Bible to see his actions played out over an immense amount of time in comparison to humans. But remember, God is the timeless, the creator. There is no end and no beginning. So when we look at what he has done, we can see all the great works and obey and worship him. So we have different words here uh, for for Lord and Master, Lord. Uh, Also, some people use Jehovah uh, for Yahweh. Um, We have Jehovah Raha, which is Lord, uh, the Lord, my shepherd. Uh, There's multiple cases where uh, God, Jesus, is referred to as our shepherd. Uh, What does a shepherd do? A shepherd takes care of his flock. He provides for them. He makes sure that they're um, sustained and that they are able to uh, be protected. Uh, So we will think about that in a moment. Last week, we talked about uh, the Lord that heals, another attribute, character, and name of God, the healer, the redeemer. Uh, And in this case, we're going to talk about the Lord uh, will provide, Um, or the Lord provides. So Jehovah Jireh. Um, Growing up, Jen, my wife, and I knew each other, and there was this event that would happen, and we called it uh, Jehovah Jireh Java, and it's that the Lord will provide coffee. And we used to do these events where the Lord would provide coffee because without it, we felt that we weren't going to get through that day. And we had these coffee shop uh, worship events, and we would refer to them as these types of events. So it's, it's a funny way to kind of remember some of the, the names of God. But what I want to point out here is Jesus the provider. In Matthew 15, 32 through 39, and then that's the other example of feeding the 4,000 that is aligned with what we're talking about here in Mark, but also the feeding of the 5,000, where we have Mark 6, uh, 30 through 44, Matthew 14, 13 through 21, Luke 9, 10 through 17, and John 6, 1 uh, through 13. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and give a moment if you want to write those down. But typically in your Bible, there should be cross-references. Um, so, but the reason that comes to mind is I'm... What section are we in in Mark again? Eight? Wait a minute. It says here, Mark 6, Jesus fed the 5,000. But it, didn't the disciples just act like they had no idea how they were going to feed these people in the desolate place? What does that make you think? Well, either they forgot, which I doubt, or their doubt made them doubt God, doubt what Jesus can do. So something that comes to me is that when I doubt, and God has done great many things in my life, chiefly saving me from my destruction, self-imposed mostly, that we can have hope in Christ that when we doubt, he will strengthen and provide us as believers. That if we're unbelievers, God can come into our lives, convict us of our sin, and bring him or bring us to him in righteousness and salvation for all eternity to be glorified and to be with him and the Trinity for all eternity. Now, 
that is something to behold and to worship God, to sit here in reverence of his great and mighty deeds in that he saves us from our sin and destruction and our path to be in a desolate place for all eternity. So God pulls us from that. By no work or hand of, or by our hand, he does that for us. So Jesus is the provider, the Jehovah Jireh. Another thing that I want to point out is where do we get that from? Okay. Genesis 22, 1 through 14. I'm not going to read the entire passage, but basically, if you remember it, it's when we go up to a mountain with a father and a son. And the Lord will provide. Psalm 23. It's another time. The Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not want. So let's think about that for a moment. A shepherd protects, provides, sustains his flock. The sheep know his name. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. The Lord will provide. When we're in a desolate place, the Lord will provide. So think about that in your depth. And think about how that impacts your life and impacts those around you. All right, so I want to want to jump for a moment and pull up something for you all that I can read off. Thank you for your patience. So, well, we're just going to skip that because my iPad doesn't want to participate today. Okay, no problem. We will pivot. I'm going to pull up the Bible and we're going to read a section. Go ahead and turn to Psalm 23. This week, there was a powerful moment at the conference we at where they were doing giveaways. And they don't do it to make people show up. People are going to show up regardless if they do the giveaways or not. Um, Sovereign Grace is uh, very popular. They have a network of churches. In fact, they're their own denomination. I didn't know that uh, until, I think, last year or year before. So I'm not even sure when it happened. Um, don't know many details about it. But... There was a point where they were giving away, I forget what it was they were giving away. It doesn't really matter. They're giving away something cool. And they asked someone who had memorized scripture recently and could recite it in front of a couple hundred people, uh, and they would get this gift. And Psalm 23 was a part of my studies before we even got there. And guess what the verse, or the, the chapter this woman uh, had memorized? Psalm 23. So it's pretty amazing. So we're going to go ahead and we're going to, we don't have to stand this time, but I'm going to go ahead and read it. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. 
He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all of my days, all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I would challenge you all, and I'm not going to put a timeline on this, but I would challenge you all to memorize this psalm as soon as you can. It's great to have the word consumed, like these people in this story consumed the bread and the fish to satisfy them. The word can satisfy us. Remember I reminded you of a time where Jesus was in the desert and he was challenged? Who was he challenged by? The temptations. Go ahead, you can say it. That's right. What was the first challenge? I'm going to go ahead and read it. We're in Matthew 4. If you want to turn to it or write down where we're going, you can. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness, that word, desolate place, to be tempted by the devil, Satan. And after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was what? Hungry. You have to know something in in you, your experience, to have that compassion for someone. You, You that have been hungry know what it's like to be hungry. You that have been in a desolate place know what it's like to be in that desolate place. And I'm not talking about just physically. Talk about emotionally, mentally. And the tempter came and said to him, You are the Son of God. Command these stones to become what? Loaves of bread. But Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. I challenge you to memorize Psalm 23. I'm challenging myself to memorize it again because I memorized it in a different version than I read currently today, so I get the words all jumbled up because, like I said, in my human mind, my memory's not so great. I remember songs in the wrong words constantly because I memorize them differently. So I challenge us all to memorize. What was it? Psalm what? Psalm 23. There you go. This may think, this slide may warn you that we're getting close to the end, but we're close to the end. But we actually have a few more things. But I want you to think about these things as we get to the end. Jesus has compassion on us. Jesus is our provider when we are in need. Jesus is our sustainer of our hope. Our hope is not something that we just wake up one day, you know, we're going to have hope today. You can try that in your own strength, but you will fail. Jesus is our hope. The Holy Spirit is our comforter. We talked about that last semester. Jesus, the Holy Spirit, God the Father, 
are the author and the perfecter of our faith, our hope. Jesus satisfies our soul. Another challenge. My wife and I, very early in our marriage, put this verse down as to be our verses for our marriage, for our life. So it's Proverbs 3, 5 through 8. Those of you who have it memorized, um, please keep, keep this in your heart. Those of you who don't, it's a great one to keep in your heart. It has been with me when I've had no access to the written word, when I've been in times of trouble, in times of strife. It gives me hope. It provides me that hope. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. And it goes on. And I, I, would, I would recommend reading all of Proverbs 3 this week. And it goes on. And it's, it's just a great way to in, internalize this. And there are uh, some songs out there as well. I, you can provide a link for that where you can sing scripture along to uh, music. And that can help uh, you memorize this as well. It's a great... It's a great life uh, section. A life verse is, not just life verse. So I would challenge you to memorize us as well. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. So to our main point, in our desolate times and places, Jesus provides, sustains, and satisfies us with hope. We see this clearly in this example of the story of Jesus feeding the 4,000. So trust in the Lord, rest in his provision, trust in that, believe in his promises that he can come and he will come for those of you who call into your desolate times, your desolate places in your life. Before we end, this is something else that happened in the conference this week. Um... There was a song that we sang um, that was based on this question and answer from the Heidelberg uh, Catechism, and I thought it was great to repeat with you all. It fit really well with what we were talking about this week. I did not have this in my plan, and in fact, if Pastor Scott saw my slides early yesterday, this wasn't even in there. It was after much prayer and consideration that I decided to add it, and with strong, uh, great advice from my wife. So, what is your only comfort in life and death? That I am not my own, but belong with body and soul, both in life and in death, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all of my sins with his precious blood and has set me free from all the power of the devil. Amen. He also preserves me in such a way that without the will of my Heavenly Father, not a hair can fall from my head. Indeed, all things must work together for my salvation. Therefore, by His Holy Spirit, He also assures me of eternal life and makes me heartily willing and ready 
from now on to live for him. Jesus is our provider. He's our comfort and our strength. He has compassion and he has love for each and every one of you. Never forget. I'm going to go ahead and pray. And then I'm going to let you all meet with, if you want to meet with your small groups uh, that you normally meet with or just connect with some people in fellowship, we'll give you a couple minutes to do that. So let's go ahead and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you. We do not deserve the provision, the grace, the mercy. We've done nothing of our own hand, hearts, and in our heads to deserve your grace. We bow before you in worship, worshiping the one and true and only God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, together working in accordance to our our hope in life and death. Lord, thank you for the cross where Jesus was laid upon to pay for sin. He became sin, a man who knew no sin. Lord, he died on that cross to provide us a way, Lord, a debt that was owed and was paid. Lord, thank you for that. We, we cannot express the depth in our hearts with our words, the gratitude. So Lord, thank you as much as we can. We praise you. You are holy. You are power. You are timeless and everlasting, eternal God. Lord, right now we come before you in adoration and praise this morning together with all the saints that are here collected and those that are far from God, those who doubt your word, those who are not a part of your family. Lord, we come together to praise you, to share the good news, to share the gospel of grace in grace alone, in faith alone. Lord, that we put all of our hope in you alone. By your holy scriptures, we can know you, Lord, that we pray that you continue to shape our hearts, correct our minds, put our hands to work, first in our homes and in our communities, Lord, that we reach out, we go beyond our borders, we go into the world, and having gone and where we are, we, we spread the news of the gospel, making disciples of all the nations. Lord, we praise you. We thank you. We confess of our iniquity. We confess of our sin that you forgive. Please work through forgiveness in our hearts so that we can forgive those who sinned across our lives and in our lives. Lord, that we love you. We praise you. We ask that you be with us in our time of desolation. We pray and ask that you be with those that are around us, that are hurting, that are broken, don't even know what to do. They are stuck, Lord. They are spinning. They are spiraling. Lord, we pray that you give us comfort and hope that it's in abundance, that we are satisfied, that we can carry it in baskets to those that are in need. 
Lord, give us strength that we walk in your spirit, that we have the fruit in our lives that is of your Holy Spirit. Thank you again for these opportunities, these times that we have been placed in, Lord, and that you would continue to strengthen us and provide us the resolve of your grace. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Time to fellowship. Say hi to people. Ask them what you could be praying for them.